O Holy Spirit, teach us what it means to fully rely on you in living out our faith in our Savior Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Well, a very blessed Pentecost Sunday to you all, friends. You know, the festival of Pentecost is most often in the Christian church associated merely with the New Testament time frame. But the reality is that the festival of Pentecost began way back in Old Testament times. It takes us all the way back to Mount Sinai, back to when the Israelites were led by Moses through the desert to the mountain where God gave Moses the commandments and all the other instructions about worship for the Israelite people. And a part of those instructions included celebrating this festival called Pentecost. Pentecost, the word, means 50. And it was to be celebrated 50 days after the Sabbath of Passover week, Sabbath or Saturday of Passover week. We read about that in Leviticus chapter 23. The time that would have elapsed from Passover to Pentecost was about seven weeks. So another name for this festival is the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost also marked the completion of the barley harvest that was brought in. And so sometimes this festival was known as the Feast of Harvest, as is told us in Exodus 23. Pentecost Day is often called the Day of First Fruits, we read in the book of Numbers, because the people were to bring an offering from among the first and best of their barley harvest, an offering to the Lord. Now, many centuries later, over the course of the development of Judaism, Pentecost was celebrated as the anniversary of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, as it is celebrated today. Pentecost is one of three annual Jewish pilgrimage festivals. In other words, once a year, every year, Jews from around the world would make their pilgrimage. Now, back in the days of the Israelites in the desert, in Leviticus and so on, Every male Israelite was to appear at the sanctuary, uh, at the tabernacle, on Pentecost every year. Later on, Jewish pilgrims were to make the trek to Jerusalem, where the temple was, to worship the Lord on that day. This explains why there was this extra large crowd in Jerusalem from many nations as described in that reading from Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost. That was the story of the Pentecost festival that was celebrated the year that Jesus died and rose again. And there were all these people, Jerusalem probably swelled to a quarter of a million people who had come from all these different countries, Jews of various backgrounds, speaking their own language as they came. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 that the number of believers in Jesus at this time was about 120. Now, in chapter 2 of Acts, Luke says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That is, all those 120 believers were gathered together. 
And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Luke says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, that is, speaking other languages as the Spirit enabled them. What a phenomenal scene this must have been. And in that event, we see various miracles taking place. First of all, the Holy Spirit himself is poured out on the church, on the believers in Jesus in a mighty way, comes down in this mighty way. Secondly, there's this roaring sound, something like a rushing wind. Now, take note, there wasn't an actual wind blowing, but there was the roar sound of a rushing wind. If you've ever been in a hurricane or near a tornado, you know what this sounds like, don't you? It's frightening. The roaring sound of a rushing wind filled that room and, ra- and radiated out into the city. And the sound was so loud, it got the attention of many of these Jewish pilgrims from all these different countries who were in Jerusalem for the festival. Another miracle is that tongues of fire appear above and on the heads of the believers. Fire is always an indicator of the presence of God, especially the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of God at work. And then something phenomenal happens among the people themselves. The believers declare the good news about Jesus in languages they had never studied before. That in itself was an amazing miracle. All these people from all these different countries that Katie read about who speak all these different languages heard the message about Jesus crucified and risen in their own language through the apostles and the other believers. When the people ask about this, Peter himself stands up and explains everything that was taking place. He preaches about Jesus, explaining the meaning of the cross and the empty tomb. And those who accept his message are baptized. And Luke tells us that about 3,000 people were added to the number of believers that day alone. 3,000 added through the proclamation of the message of Jesus. That in itself demonstrates the primary work of the Holy Spirit. The primary work of the Holy Spirit is to create and sustain faith in the hearts of people through the gospel message, the good news about Jesus. As you and I, God's people, share that message, as we tell others about Jesus who died for them and rose again. That message is used by the Holy Spirit to plant saving faith in the heart of a person. As we tell them what that cross means, that Jesus died to forgive all sin, that he rose again to conquer the power of sin, death, hell, and Satan, and open up the way to to heaven for all who will trust in Jesus as their Savior. You know, some have even called Pentecost the birthday of the Christian church. In many ways, that is true. 
We usually decorate Pentecost in the color red. I'm glad to see so many of you wearing red today. It's not red for Ed, it's red for Pentecost. Because red is the symbol color of fire. And fire indicated the divine power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament times when the Israelites went through the wandering through the desert, God led them by a pillar of fire at night. It was a demonstration of God's presence and his power at work leading his people. At Pentecost, with the tongues of fire on the people's heads, the disciples were given the power to be able to go out and tell the good news of Jesus. And they went all over the world and turned the world upside down doing it. Of course, as I mentioned last Sunday, 10 days before Pentecost, you remember what Jesus had done. Jesus had told his disciples to stay in the city of Jerusalem until they have been clothed with power from on high. And that's what this event is all about. And then he ascended into heaven. And though he left them and ascended back into the place from where he had come, those disciples had his promise that they would not be alone, but he would send them his Holy Spirit. They were not going to be all by themselves. They would have the Holy Spirit right there with them. In fact, Jesus had spoken that promise about the Holy Spirit already back in the upper room in Jerusalem the night before he was crucified. That's what we heard in the gospel reading for today from John 14. Let me read a couple of verses again. Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That was the night before he was crucified, he said those words. You see, Jesus knew that he was indeed going to physically leave them. He was going to return to the Father in heaven. But he wanted them to know that they would not be left alone as orphans. And so he promised that the Father was going to send the Holy Spirit. And friends, that promise is for you and me as well. That we have the Holy Spirit present with us. It's a promise we need to be reminded of when we have those moments of loneliness. You know, loneliness can settle in for a variety of reasons. Maybe when you lose a loved one, someone dear to you, the world feels a little more lonely than it did before because that one is not with you. Loneliness can settle in when you move to a new place like you moved to Scottsdale from some other part of the country and you left all your family and community behind and you move into your house with your block walls around your backyard. You don't know your neighbors. You barely see anybody and you feel isolated. Loneliness can settle in. You wonder if anybody really cares. That's when we need to be reminded that God sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. We need to be reminded of that when we're feeling powerless. I suppose the disciples felt a little powerless in and of themselves. 
And so do we at times, don't we? When circumstances become difficult, we wonder how we're going to get through this particular challenge. We feel powerless, but we have the assurance of the presence of the Holy Spirit who is our power when we are weak. We need that promise reassured to us when we're feeling abandoned, maybe even feeling abandoned by God. We may be crying out, God, where are you now in the midst of all this mess I'm dealing with? And in the midst of that, God reminds us, you have my spirit within you. Or maybe we need that promise when we're feeling fearful about the future, when we're uncertain about what's coming down the road. We can be fearful as individuals. We can even be fearful as a congregation of people. Here at Shepherd of the Desert, let's face it, we have faced a difficult year this past year, haven't we? And maybe some fear has settled into some of our hearts and minds about what the future is going to bring. What is around the corner for us? We don't really know. But we don't have to be afraid. And we are not alone. For we have the Holy Spirit with us. Pentecost reminds us of that. It reminds us that we are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit dwells within the heart of every single believer in Jesus Christ. He's taken up residence inside of us. And I wonder if, I wonder if we really spend enough time considering the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Christian author Francis Chan recently wrote a book entitled Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. We all too easily and readily talk about God the Father as we should. God the Father, our creator, our provider, the one who looks after us, uh, whose children we are. We can easily talk about God the Father. We readily and easily talk about God the Son, Jesus, our Savior, who died for us, who rose again, who forgives our sins, who's given us the gift of eternal life. We can talk about Jesus so readily. Do we talk very much about the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives? So on this Pentecost Sunday, let's spend the next few minutes just taking a little closer look at the Holy Spirit. Notice that in... The gospel lesson for today, John 14, Jesus refers to the Spirit as the Counselor, the Counselor. He said it this way, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Counselor. In the original New Testament language of Greek, the word for Counselor is parakletos, Parakletos, which means one who is called alongside of another, a counselor, a parakletos, one who's called alongside of another person. Think about what the role of a counselor is. A counselor is someone who comes alongside you and gives you comfort in challenging times. Maybe they put their arm around your shoulders and speak words of encouragement in a difficult time. A counselor, a parakletos, gives wise advice or guidance in challenging times. A counselor serves often as an advocate 
bringing the needs of a person to the source of help for that person. Parakletos. That is where we get the English word paraclete, which appears in some of our Lutheran hymns. In fact, at the 8 o'clock service this morning, we sang a hymn that had the word paraclete in it. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Paraclete. That is the Holy Counselor, the Comforter, the Encourager. He is our guide when we are confused. He is our advocate. In fact, Paul in Romans even says the Holy Spirit prays for us, intercedes for us to the Father when we don't even know how to pray. When we're faced with such a dilemma, we don't even know how to begin to pray And the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our counselor, our paraclete, takes our needs to the Father. The Holy Paraclete comes alongside you. How does he do it? Let's review some basic things we probably all know. We could probably all say these very easily. Let's just review some basics. How does the counselor come alongside of us? First of all, we need to remember the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart when you were baptized. He not only came alongside you, he came within you in your baptism. He came and dwelt there and washed away sin, planted himself in your heart, planted saving faith in you and adopted you into the family of God. In that Pentecost story, some of the people said to the believers, What do we do? What must we do to be saved? And and what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that promise is for you and your children. With baptism comes the gift of the Holy Spirit who washes away sin and makes us God's children. And you know, every time that you get up in the morning, and repent of your sins, confess those to God. Every time you recall the meaning of your baptism, the holy paraclete is there with you, assuring you of God's forgiving love. Every day we rise anew, a brand new creation in Christ, as we remind ourselves the Holy Spirit has dwelt in me from the time of my baptism, and I am His child, and I am made new. You see, you are not abandoned to your sin. You've been washed clean. Thanks be to God for the gift of the Holy Spirit given in our baptism. Now, if there's anyone here today who has not yet been baptized or if you have a child that is not yet baptized, I invite you to come and talk with me privately or with any of our pastors. We'd love to have a chance to talk with you about the meaning of baptism and perhaps schedule a baptism in the near future. It's a wonderful gift that God wants to give all. Another way that the Holy Paraclete comes alongside you is in the Lord's Supper that we just celebrated, also known, of course, as Holy Communion. In the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit brings us the very forgiveness that Jesus earned for us when He died on the cross. What he did on the cross becomes ours personally as we receive the body and blood of Christ 
present in that bread and wine, the Holy Spirit makes it personal for us and essentially says, your sins, friend, are forgiven. A third way that the Holy Paraclete comes alongside you is when you spend time in this book, in the Word, the Bible. Again, Jesus said in John 14, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He is the one who communicates the truths of God to us as we study His Word. And so if we want to receive that good and wise counsel of the Holy Paraclete, we need to allow Him to teach us. And He does that as we read and study His Word. So friends, I want to encourage you to establish a regular habit, if you will, of spending some time every day, even if it's a short amount of time reading a few Bible verses, spend some time every day in the Word and ponder the meaning of those words and how they apply to your life. And as you do that, be sure to ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what you are reading. He is the teacher. And Jesus said He will bring to mind all that I have taught. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you, Jesus said. So when you are feeling alone or fearful or troubled about anything, allow your holy paraclete to remind you of all that Jesus has said, including these words from today's gospel. When Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Friends, on this Pentecost Sunday, I pray that you will daily rely on your holy paraclete, your personal counselor to comfort you, to guide you, and to empower you to tell someone else the life-changing good news of Jesus your Savior. Amen. Next week, we're going to begin a new sermon series. It's called Summer in the Psalms, Selections from God's Playlist. The Psalms in the Old Testament were originally songs. They're God's playlist, if you will. And we're going to look at a number of different psalms and uh, expl expound on the meaning of those psalms. And as you go on your various trips in vacation this summer, you can uh, listen into the podcasts and stay in touch with the different uh, psalms throughout the summer. We hope you'll enjoy the next series. God bless.